0: Chāya Amacharya is the probha the Kanti Kota Jai Namacharya is the Hari Das Tagore
1: Jai
0: Prem Shikoshi Kushan Chaitanya Prabhu Nitinanda Shri Rohit Girar Har Shiva Sadigarh back from Vrindavan Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Gopal Finance I can Radha pande get it Jai jaya. Rindavan Dhamma Kija, Maturadhamma Kija, Abhidhri Mayapur Dhamma Kija, Jagannath Puridhamma ki Devi Kija, Bhakti Devi Kija, Tulsi Maharani Kija, Samavetabhakta Devi Kija, Lord Pramananda. All, All glories to the assembled devotees. 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 All glories to Shri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Shri Prabhupada. Nama all, Krishna Padaya, Krishna Prashtai, Mati Bhakti, Swami Namaste, Saraswati Deve, or Vani Pachani, Vasilis, and Vani Paskajali Satarna. One Guru, Shri Yuta Padakamam Shi, the moon, Vaishnavam's cha. Rukam saguja Sahagana, Ragana Vitam Vitam, Samsajivam. Sadvaitam Sadvitam, Parichana Sahita, Krishna Chaitanya Deva. Shi Radha Krishna, Padam Sahagana, Lalita Shi Vishakam Vitamcha cha. Bunch of copper chupas chaki, Visindavia, which helped each Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nichananda Jai Jai Sri Chaitanya Jai Nichananda Jai Jai Chitan Jai Gora Bhakta Vrinda
1: Jaya Jaya Sri Chaitanya
0: Jayatananda Jaya Dha Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Rinda Jaya Dwight Chandra Jaya Gora Bhakta Rinda
1: This is December
0: 15, 2013 in Dallas, Texas. And We're reading from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, Adi Lila Chapter 17 Pastimes of the Lord and His Youth Text 142 through 144. Udāta loka bhāṅge ka jira-gāra-pushpa-vāna
1: Udāta loka bhāṅge ka jira-gāra-pushpa-vāna
0: Vistāri-vāni la-iha dasa-vinda-vāna The Kazi, Gara, House, Pushpavana, Flower Garden, Vistadi, Elaborately, Varnila, Described, Iha, This, Dasha Vrindavana, Shilavindavana Dastapur, Translation by Shilavakpai. Naturally, some of the people were very much agitated began to retaliate the kazi's actions by wrecking his house and flower garden. Shulavindavan das Thakur has elaborately described this incident. So therefore Krishna Das Kali Raja is just summarizing it. not going to elaborate. Text 43. Thereafter, when Sri Mahaprabhu reached the kazi's house, he sat down by the doorway and sent some respectable persons to call for the kazi. 144. When the kazi came, his head bowed down. The Lord gave him proper respect and a seat. Some of the men in Sri Taitanya Mahaprabhu's civil disobedience movement were agitated because they could not control their minds. But the Lord was thoroughly peaceful, sober, and unagitated. Therefore, when the Kazi came down to see him, the Lord offered him proper respect and a seat because he was a respectable government officer. Thus the Lord taught us by his personal behavior, In pushing on our Sankirtan movement of Krishna consciousness, we might have to face difficult days, but we should always follow in the footsteps of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and do the needful according to the time and circumstances. So it's interesting that in text 142, although it's not in the verse itself, Srila Prabhupada adds the word naturally. Naturally, some of the people were agitated and therefore they broke the kazi's house and garden in retaliation. Naturally. So that's the natural tendency of most of us in this world. That if somebody interferes with us, we want to interfere with them. <laughs> and that's how we want to get back at that. And we may feel especially justified if the person is interfering with our service or if the person is offensive. So in this case, I mean, generally speaking, we condition souls. If somebody interferes with our material enjoyment, we become very agitated, naturally. We naturally become agitated, and we want to retaliate. Isn't it like that? You know, if we want to get something for our sense gratification, we want to do something. Well, we don't think of it like that. We don't think, well, I want to get this for myself, because we're trained by our parents not to be selfish. So we generally think, I want to get this because it's important. I need this you know, it's really important, I have to have it. We don't usually code it in our brains that I need to have this just for my own pleasure. And if anybody obstructs us, we become very angry. If anyone prevents us from getting what we want or what we think we need, if anybody takes away what we have, uh, we become very angry. And generally in our anger, we retaliate in some way. We try to do some harm to that person. Why do we try to do some harm to that person? Well, either uh, just as a kind of uh, defense that we want to per- stop them from stopping us, or we want them to not want to mess with us in the future. You know, well, I'm gonna, you're going to break my murdunga, I'm going to break your house, then you're not going to try to break my murdunga again. You know, you know I'm a tough person, you know, leave me alone. So that may be one reason. Another reason is just so we can sort of plow through and get what we want to do. You know, get out of my way and let me do what I want to do. Another reason may be if we're trying to get empathy. If we're trying to connect with somebody and they're obstructing us, then we may try to obstruct them as a way of saying, hey, this is what it feels like. Now stop it. Uh, Connect with me again. Become empathetic with me again. So generally this is what we do. And it's quite interesting if, if we really examine that almost always when we retaliate against somebody when we try to hurt them in some way we're aware that we try to hurt people, yes is everybody aware of this or do we think we never try to hurt people maybe I should back up maybe we don't even think we try to hurt people I was, I was once uh, being driven to a program by a family and they were telling me about the husband particularly was telling me about problems he would had in his business that he was uh, he was living in a foreign country and he had worked in another foreign country, and in the, in the place where he had worked, the people had his, at his work didn't like what he was doing, didn't like the way he was working. It was some, I mean, he was his point of view, obviously. They had some kind of conspiracy against him. And they not only fired him from his job, but they went to the government and they arranged for his visa to be revoked in that country and for him to be deported from the country. And so now he was in a different country, where he was being very prosperous, incidentally. In fact, he was more prosperous in the country he was when he was talking to me than he had been in the country from which he had been deported. Uh, but he was still very bitter and, and angry about this. And he said to me, I've never intentionally hurt anyone in my life. I don't understand why this has happened to me. And so I didn't quite know how to respond for a while. I thought about it. And I, and I said, you know, you must be a very unusual person because I've never met a uh, you know, conditioned soul who didn't ever intentionally hurt somebody else. And what was particularly fascinating is as the conversation proceeded, he admitted that he had beaten his wife on several occasions. So again, I was a little bewildered as to how to respond. And I said, uh, you know, here on the one hand, you're admitting that you've beaten your wife, and on the other hand, you're telling me you've never intentionally hurt anybody else, and you're wondering why you suffer. You're wondering why people have intentionally hurt you, thinking that you're innocent and you've never intentionally hurt somebody. So some of us perhaps think we've never intentionally hurt anybody. Uh, Perhaps some of us think like that. But if we're honest, we'll see that we, we do intentionally hurt people. We basically hurt people under three situations. One, we have no idea we're hurting them at all. We're not even aware that what we've done has hurt somebody. So the story I always tell of this, we had a teacher who asked for photocopies of some bhajans. To use in his classes. So I I made the photocopies and I put them in a used envelope on his desk. And the next day he came and he said, I don't know if I can teach anymore. I may have to leave the country. I said, what's the problem? He said, the tax agency, the IRS is after me. I haven't been paying my taxes. And I said, oh, I'm very sorry to hear that. And I said, did you get the bhajans that I copied? No, no, I didn't get them. I said, well, I put them on your desk in an envelope and he's like oh I thought that because it was a used envelope it was something from the IRS to us and when he saw that it was from the IRS he became very frightened so that's a case where I hurt somebody without any knowledge there was no intention to hurt the person I had no knowledge I was hurting the person so sometimes we hurt people in that way we're a cause of anxiety to others uh, completely innocently and then there's other times when we know we're hurting people but we wish we weren't hurting them but we don't know any other way to do what we're doing You know, we're trying to get something done, and we realize that in the course of getting that something done, someone's feelings are going to be hurt or somebody's going to be disadvantaged, and we feel remorseful about that, but we don't know any other way of functioning. And then there's the time when we intentionally hurt people just to hurt people, not as kind of collateral damage. So the first is just unknown. The second is sort of, uh, we feel anyway, unavoidable collateral damage. And in the last instance, that is our intention it's not a side effect or something else but we specifically intend to hurt people now the majority of the time when we specifically intend to hurt people unless we're extremely demoniac persons is when we're defending ourselves on something that we feel that we need and it's important and this person is in the way and again to reiterate we're, de- we're hurting them generally generally because either we want them to be afraid of us hey don't mess with me, you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you, leave me alone. Or, again, as a practical matter, you know, what I want is over there, you're standing in the way, and get out of my way. Or, especially in our close relationships, we will intentionally hurt others in order to create empathy. That's our goal. Now, here we have an instance of where uh, devotees were causing harm to the kazi, not because their sense gratification was impeded, but because their service was impeded. And so sometimes, as aspiring devotees of Krishna, or as devotees of Krishna, we feel that, all right, I might not be justified in harming others from my own personal desires, but I am justified in harming people if my service is obstructed, or if service in general is obstructed, or if the Lord is blasphemed. I mean, here we had the Kazi, who under his order the government officials were breaking the Murdunga drums and stopping the Kirtan. So we might think, okay, well, if somebody's doing that, then certainly I can retaliate against them and harm them in return. And again, it will be the same motives, that if we harm them in return, then they'll think twice about obstructing our service, they'll be afraid, they'll leave us alone, or... It's necessary to harm them in order to get our service done, in order to get them out of the way. Or, by harming them, they'll become empathetic and they'll think, well, this is what it feels like to be harmed, let me not harm them. So the the process is basically the same, although the, the goal is a little different. It's service. Now, in this case, it really was service, although many times, I believe many times, when we act like this, it's really our sense gratification masquerading as service. We use our service as an excuse. As Srila Prabhupada said about Arjuna, he was using Krishna consciousness as an excuse not to be in Krishna consciousness. Well, I can't surrender to your instructions, Krishna. It's really interesting. We're going to be going over Krishna willing. Bhagavad Gita chapters 1 through 6 this evening. So in chapter 2, Arjuna says to Krishna, I accept you as my guru. I'm confused about my duty. I'll do whatever you say. And after that, He says, Govinda, I shall not fight. fight." How interesting. (laughs) I accept you as my guru, I'll do whatever you say, but I'm not going to fight. I shall not fight. He didn't say, I don't want to fight, or I'm really thinking about not fighting. He just said, I shall not fight. Govinda, I shall not fight. And Prabhupada says he was skillfully, he was artfully, forget exactly the word Prabhupada used, trying to avoid surrendering to Krishna by using all kinds of Krishna-conscious arguments. Well, I heard from authorities, Krishna, that those who destroy the family tradition dwell always in hell. I I heard from authorities. Why should I be avaricious? Even though they're avaricious, why should I be avaricious? Why should I come down to their level? Surely I shouldn't retaliate. And interestingly enough... Arjuna's points were all valid. In fact, the points Arjuna made are all exactly the points that we're making today. You shouldn't retaliate against your enemy. <coughs> you shouldn't harm those who harm you. Even if service is involved. Rather, you respect your enemies. As Prabhupada said here, right? they were agitated because they cannot control their minds. Prabhupada didn't say they were agitated because they were really defending Lord Caitanya and it was really a higher principle. He just said they were agitated because they couldn't control their minds. And in contrast, Lord Caitanya was peaceful, sober, and unagitated. So Arjuna was right. Of course, in Arjuna's case, there was Krishna himself saying, yes, stay peaceful, sober, and unagitated, but you have to fight. You're not fighting out of the modes of material nature. You're fighting to please me. You're not fighting to harm them because you want them to be scared or you want them to be empathetic. Uh, You're fighting them because I want these people removed from the planet right now. They don't belong here anymore. They're causing trouble. I want them out. Uh, That's a different thing. I want you guys to be in charge and I want them out. Therefore, you're fighting. So a totally different mentality. But generally speaking, we are not meant to harm those harm us. In fact, we are never meant to harm those who harm us because they harm us. If we're a judge in a courtroom like Bhaktivinoda Thakur was, then you can sentence to harm those who harm others. But the judge can never decide on a case where he or she is personally involved, yes? You cannot have anyone on the jury who's personally involved, correct? Even they don't like to have on the jury somebody who was involved in a similar case. I was once called to jury duty and they asked everyone, have you been involved in a similar case? And when I said yes, they said, okay, you're excused. Why? Because then you may have some personal vendetta, some personal vengeance. So when harm is meted out to the harmer, when the perpetrator is sentenced to receive harm, the person who sentences the perpetrator has to always be a disinterested, not uninterested, but disinterested neutral party. And Krishna explains about you know, I'm, I'm neutral. He said, I'm always neutral. He said, I don't particularly hate anyone or particularly favor anyone. It was never supposed to be the case. Never. That one harms somebody simply because they harm us. Of course we have a a right and a duty to, defect, to defend our life so if someone's trying to kill you you have a right to defend yourself but we should never have the mentality that because somebody harmed me I'm going to harm them so of course Krishna explains that the person who acts this way is very dear to him If we're trying to become dear to Krishna, we're trying to please Krishna. Krishna says, 12th chapter, He for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone. He for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone. He for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone. So we may have to put others into difficulty as part of our service, but not for our own sake. If I have a child, I may have to say to that child, You have to go to school. And the child says, I don't want to go to school. But that's for the sake of the child, it's not for my own sake. He for whom no one is put into difficulty. No one should be put into difficulty on my account. I may have an employee, and I may have to say, I'm sorry, we have an emergency in the business, everyone is here to be here at 7.30 in the morning instead of 9.00. And I may have to put others into difficulty, but it shouldn't be on my account. And who's was not disturbed by anyone. Therefore, Maharaj Yudhisthira said, one whose enemy was never born because Maharaj Yudhisthira never saw anyone as his enemy. So many people put Maharaj Yudhisthira into difficulty. He for whom no one uh, right? he for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone but Maharaj was not disturbed. He never thought these people are, the, are my enemies. Not of his sense gratification and not of his service. Because our sense gratification, my dear friends, we're going to get what we're going to get, what we're going to get, what we're going to get. Nobody can obstruct what we're going to get. If we think that somebody can obstruct my sense gratification and my material happiness, we're thinking somebody's more powerful than Krishna. If we have a check coming from our karmic account, you know, Krishna's delivery service is infallible. It's like we used to have in America uh, train robbers who would rob the, um, the mail trains. And nobody can rob Krishna's mail train. Nobody can hold up Krishna's UPS truck. If we have a karmic package that's going to be delivered, nobody can stop it from being delivered. We're going to get it. And that's not only the good things, but the bad things too. And the people who are apparently giving us our good things and bad things are just postal carriers. Just agents, like Prabhupada told Peter Burwash. Peter Burwash gave a life membership check, a substantial check to the temple, and the temple president, instead of depositing it in the temple account, uh, cashed it at the bank, and left the Hare Krishna movement with the money. And Peter Burwash went to shiva Prabhupada and complained. And Prabhupada said, never hate the instrument of your karma. So if good comes to us, we're the ones who generated that good, and if bad comes to us, we're the ones who generated that bad. It's nice. One letter of said, we can never really hurt anyone else. The only person we can hurt is ourselves. If I become the instrument of your bad karma, I'm just creating more bad karma for me. I can't hurt you any more than you're destined to be hurt, but by being the instrument of your bad karma, I'm creating more bad karma for me. The person I'm hurting is myself. So who's my enemy? On a material level, who's my enemy? Who's my friend? Nobody. Krishna's delivery service is infallible. I'm going to get what I'm going to get, good and bad. And the agent is, is, is just the agent. Therefore, Marj Perkit says, one who names the perpetrator is as guilty as the perpetrator. If you say, she's responsible, he's responsible, then you're in the same envious, hateful mentality. And what about service? Can anyone obstruct my service? No. Service is service is unmotivated and uninterrupted. Real service cannot be interrupted by anything. Real service cannot be interrupted by another living entity. Real service cannot be interrupted by our body and mind. Real service cannot be interrupted by the demigods. Real service cannot be interrupted by anything. If our so-called service is interrupted, it's not very pure. I gave the example, I think, yesterday of that song, you know, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you, babe. That's how our love has to be for Krishna. Materially, love is not like that. If the mountain's high enough or the river's wide enough, the love is gone. But that's not pure love. If I really love... And it doesn't matter whether there's rivers and oceans and mountains between me and my beloved. So examples, of course, are the gopis. And so many obstacles. Social pressure, dharmic reputation. You know, the sadhana city gopis were the municharis and the shruticharis. They are very dharmic people for many, 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 many lifetimes. The personified Vedas They personify each of the Vedas. How dharmic do you think they are? They are Dharma. And they had to surmount that Dharma. And we have this painting of Krishna stealing the clothes of the gopis. Who do you think those gopis were? They were the personified Vedas. That was very heavy for them. It was very difficult for them. It was was very difficult when Krishna says, Come out of the water naked. It was hard. It wasn't like it was. It was easy. It wasn't easy. But their love for Krishna overcame that. And when Krishna says, "You know, put your hands over your head, tie back your hair," first they're trying to cover their bodies with their hair. He said, "Proper woman ties back her hair." You know? Then they're trying to cover their bodies with their hands. You know, he said, "You offended the river. Put your hands over your head." It was hard for them. They would had many, 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 many lifetimes of heavy dharma. And then to have the reputation you know, that they're leaving their husbands and running off with another man in the middle of the night and their family stopping them. I said, we're going to love Krishna so much that we're not going to care for these things. Oh, and Krishna became all the calves and the cowherd boys and the adult cows were on the top of Govardhan Hill and they saw the calves the calves at the bottom of the hill, who were actually Krishna. Who here's been to Govardhan Hill? Who's been to Govardhan Hill? Who's at least seen a picture of Govardhan Hill? Who's seen a photograph of Govardhan Hill? What's all over Govardhan Hill? Rocks. Big rocks. Would you run down Govardhan Hill? Would you run down Govardhan Hill? The cows are running. Running, just like you see cows in the springtime. Have you ever seen that? Cows in the spring. In Bhakti Manor, they have a festival every year in the spring when they let the cows out of the barn for the first time. You can see some videos of it on the internet. And they're leaping, these huge cows, big animals. And usually cows are kind of lumbering and slow creatures. They're running and they're jumping. So that's how the cows were running down Robert Hill, front and rear legs, running, jumping. And not only were all the big rocks and trees, but the coward men were trying to stop them with their sticks. They're pure devotees, they're infallible, yet they failed. The cows wanted to see Krishna so much there was no obstacle. The rocks were an obstacle, the trees were not an obstacle, the coward men with their sticks were not an obstacle. That's love. That's actually love. So who's our enemy? Nobody can stop the material pleasure that I'm destined to get. Nobody can stop the material pain I'm destined to get. And nobody can stop my service. My service is not dependent on whether or not the temple president is first class, or the GBC is first class, or the head pujari is first class, or the prosodom is first class, or my body is sick, or my mind is in anxiety, or there's ice on the roads, or it's too hot. If my service stops because of that, it's not very high grade service, is it? I mean, even materially, the post office says neither rain, nor sleep, nor snow. (laughs) Okay? But of course, they do have a situation where it's too much. I lived in one temple for 16 years where the the GBC was always at Mangalartik early, every day. And one day, he was late. That was the day after there was a tornado. And there were big trees all over the room. So then he was about 10 minutes late. So that's love. That's service, right? And Krishna says, this devotee is very dear to me. He's not dependent on the ordinary course of activities. Not dependent on the ordinary course of activities. Okay, I can serve you, Krishna, when everything's going nicely. I'm dependent on the ordinary course of activities. I mean, again, even materially, what do we call that? A fair-weather friend. When everything's going nicely, there they are. And as soon as there's a little impediment, oh, I'm not there anymore. So Krishna says those who are dear to him never put others into difficulty and are not disturbed by others and are not dependent on the ordinary course of activities. And he said that they renounce auspicious and inauspicious things, those who are very dear to Krishna. They renounce what's auspicious and what's inauspicious. Now, many times we think, I have to have, my, my life has to be auspicious. But Krishna says, those who are dear to him, they don't care for auspicious or inauspicious things. So who is my enemy? If my service to Krishna goes on, whether my life is auspicious or inauspicious, if my service to Krishna is not dependent on ordinary circumstances being existing, if, my, if no one can put me into difficulty, and if I'm not disturbed by anyone, and I don't put anyone else in difficulty, who's my enemy? Against whom should I retaliate? Oh, but the person needs to be taught a lesson. Who's going to teach them a lesson? Krishna. He's really good at it. No? Is that... Sarvasya Chahamradi Sandhiviso, Matas, Krishna's very good at giving knowledge, remembrance, and forgetfulness. Indeed, he's the only one who does so. Like I'm speaking now. Each one of your ability to understand what I'm saying comes from Krishna. I can't teach you anything. How can I teach a lesson to anybody? I mean, if one's a judge, if one's a king, like that, police officer, one has some duty to act as Krishna's representative in a disinterested way for the good of the other person. Just as Krishna does, that's the uh, duty of the government, that's the duty of parents, that's the duty of the employer, with their subordinates, and so when someone's our subordinate, then we have a duty to act as Krishna's representative for the good of the other person, without any self-interest. But otherwise, if, I, if my self-interest is involved, spiritual self-interest or material self-interest, I have no business. It's not my business to harm others, even to teach them. So the devotee knowing Rake Krishna, Mari Krishna, Rake K, they're fearless. Nobody can hurt me. First of all, I'm a soul, I can't be hurt, and even on the material level, who is my enemy? Therefore, the devotee is fearless. The devotee is at peace. Bhoktiram Yakutapasam Gyatra Mam Shanti Krishna Krishna's running everything. And he's my friend. So if some apparent harm comes to me, uh, that must be Krishna trying to teach me a lesson. Is Krishna good at teaching us? Does Krishna do a pretty good job? What do you say? <laughs> so, you know, he'll teach everybody else too. And in fact, Sri Caitanya Mahaprabhu gets involved and he teaches the Kazi, does he not? Was it necessary for his devotees to break the Kazi's house and the Kazi's garden independently of Mahaprabhu's orders? No. And you can say, "Well, but I don't see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming into my life and, and talking to my enemies. Where is he? You're telling me don't smash my enemy's house and garden. But is Lord Chaitanya walking behind me going to talk to my enemies and straighten them out? Of course, he's in their heart. Oh, but they won't listen. Oh, he'll deal with them. Just like if I don't listen. Does Krishna deal with me? Does Krishna deal with all of us if Krishna does, if we don't listen to him the first time? Yes? I see it's like first time Krishna says quietly in the heart, hey, fix this. Come on, fix it. pain oh, it's too hard. Later. That no, was the Krishna, whatever we say. Then he gets a little louder. Hey, fix it. Then, after all, somebody else is walking up to us. Prabhu, uh, I'd like to talk to you, please. I think you have a problem here. Oh, you envious demon criticizing me. (laughs) You know, and then pretty soon it's not one person or two people or three people. Then, pretty soon it's, um, excuse me, we have a meeting that you need to attend. It's a group of people. It gets louder and louder and louder, doesn't it? Krishna escalates. Sometimes we think he hits us with an atom bomb first off. I don't think he ever does that. Prabhupada said, for everything, there's a warning. He talks about the mosquito. Before the mosquito bites, it. Bzz, bzz. There's always a warning. If we're self absorbed, we don't see it or hear it. So just like Krishna gradually escalates for us until we're just so absolutely miserable that we say, okay, 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 I'll do my lesson. <laughs> so Krishna's going to do that for our so called enemies too? Of course he will. He loves them just as much as he loves us. He loves everybody equally. And is a much better teacher than we are, although we may not believe that. He's taking too long. (laughs) He's not doing it right. (laughs) There's still nonsense. (laughs) And we don't realize we look in the mirror and somebody's saying that about us too. (laughs) There's somebody out there in the world, for each of us, I am sure, at least one. I know for me anyway, maybe not for any of you. But I'll just speak for myself, at least for me. I know there's people out there who are saying, when is that really going to work? And they're praying to Krishna, Krishna, can't you please fix her? <laughs> and Krishna's like, I'm trying. But <laughs> so Krishna's very patient. One time, one time i time, go on Pooja in New Zealand, so in illustrating about Indra being offensive, so I told a story of how I had offended some devotees and it took me 10 years to figure out that I had offended them. For 10 years, I thought they had offended me. And after 10 years, I realized that I was the one who had offended them. And so I went and apologized. And one of the people in the audience said, why did Krishna tolerate, why does Krishna tolerate having somebody in the movement for 10 years if they've been offensive? So I said, didn't you want that Krishna threw me out of the Hare Krishna movement? Is that what you're saying? He said, no, no, no. Thankfully, Krishna doesn't throw us out of the Hare Krishna movement immediately when we're offensive. He gives us a long time to figure it out and rectify. But when other people are offensive, we want them thrown out immediately. If someone else is offensive, someone else, throw them out, come on Krishna, get rid of them now! And we don't think, and Krishna says, well, you know, if you really want that to be my policy, my dear, then we're going to have to apply it to you too. Are you sure about this? You know, if you really want me to be equal to everyone, somehow I'm sorry, but they shoot. If you really want me to treat all those nasty, envious people with a kick, well, guess what? Guess who else is a nasty, envious person? Uh Uh-oh, you're going to be in trouble. Jesus talks about this, the man that goes before the judge. And the judge, in those days, you used to be imprisoned if you had debts. Nowadays, we don't have any debtors prison. And you had to work off your debt in prison. So I went to the judge and he said, you know, I can't pay. Can I be excused? Okay, you're excused. And then the man goes in the street. And someone who owes money to him, he sees him. Hey, pay me what you owe me. Someone goes back to the judge. You excused him of his debts, but he's not excusing others of their debts. Call him back in. Okay, go to jail. Jesus says, as you judge others, so you will be judged. Whatever standards you meet out to others, those standards will be applied against you. Interesting, huh? So if I want my enemies to suffer, I bet there's somebody in the world who thinks that we're their enemy. We may not even know about them. I once went to a temple where somebody called me that I hadn't seen for 20 years and told me that I defended her 20 years before. I had no idea that she was angry at me for 20 years not even a clue I had no idea when she told me what she was angry at me for I realized at the time I I, I felt I'm doing my duty I'm just doing my job so for all these reasons the devotee does not make their enemy his enemy devotee does not become as Prabhupada says his enemy's enemy The devotee does not wish harm for anyone. As Suniti said to Dhruva, do not wish harm for anyone because if you wish harm for anyone, you will suffer from that very same harm. So devotee does not wish harm for anyone. Even if we wish other people to learn, we wish other people to learn the way we would like to learn. Who would like to learn easily and quickly and blissfully? Anybody want to learn easily and quickly and blissfully? Would anybody like to learn in a hard, painful, difficult way? Anybody? Well, don't wish that for your so called enemies. Do you ever wonder why we sometimes learn in hard, difficult ways? I mean, one reason is we don't listen to the whispers in the heart, but another reason is if we desire our so called enemies to learn that way. If we're thinking, get them wishing, make them suffer. You want other people to learn through suffering? Guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to have to learn through suffering. Here we go. So therefore, the devotee never becomes his enemy's enemy. The devotee is not anyone's enemy. He for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone. And when one acts this way, what do you think What a person gets who acts this way? What do they get internally? What's the reward? Definitely, Krishna's mercy. Krishna says that outright. He says, such a person is very dear to me. Mercy, 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 mercy. Okay, here's how you get it. Just like a store may say, we're giving out free somethings. Free whatever. They'll tell you how to get it. I was visiting my son recently and they had a credit card where you got money back for a purchase but there was a process you had to go on the website you had to enter in your card and so they did it and it was really funny we went to a shop and they bought something for ten dollars and they got ten dollars back from the card so they didn't pay anything for it you want something free you want mercy this is how you get it do this, do this, do this do this, do this, do this. don't just sit there and, I want it, I want it, I want it how do you get Christmas mercy? He for whom no one is put into difficulty and who is not disturbed by anyone is very dear to me. Someone who's not dependent on the ordinary course of activity. Someone who's detached from the auspicious and the inauspicious. Someone who's fearless. So we might think, oh, Marilla, this is all high stuff. Look, even these associates of Lord Chaitanya couldn't do it. How am I supposed to do it? Prabhupada says, natural. I really think it's interesting. The says, Naturally. Naturally. Naturally, some of the people who were very much agitated began to retaliate the Kazi's actions by wrecking his house in Flower Garden. That's natural. It is natural. We're supposed to rise above nature. we're not supposed to be pushed around by nature or we're supposed to be pushed around by the divine nature we're not supposed to be pushed around by Durga, we're supposed to be pushed around by Srimati Radarani, she doesn't push us around not her method. We're supposed to be under Radharani's shelter. We're not supposed to be prodded with the, the trident of Durga. So if we say, well, I can't do this. It's too hard. How are we ever going to get Krishna's mercy? I want the free deal from my credit card, but I'm too lazy to go on the internet and enter in the numbers. Then, you know, you're not going to get it then you're going to go to the store and you're going to spend $10 and someone else is going to spend nothing. Krishna's mercy is equally available, but you've got to do something to pick it up. You've got to to do something to receive it. The package can come outside your door. You've got to open the door. The phone can ring. You've got to answer the phone. Saraswati gives the, the analogy, you're in the bottom of the well. Somebody throws the rope, you have to grab the rope. Even if someone puts food in your mouth, you have to close your mouth and chew it, or it's just going to fall out. We're not just, you know, things. As I said the other day, it's a dance. Krishna's, Prabhupada says, everywhere, the whole world is full of Krishna singing, and Krishna's dancing, and the living entity is also dancing, but we have to dance with Krishna, not by ourselves or with somebody else. So Krishna wants us to dance with him. It's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. It's not one way. It's not that I just sit around being who I always was and doing what I always do, and then I'm going to get mercy. I have to make an effort to change. And even if I fail, the fact that I'm making an effort will attract that mercy of Krishna, and Krishna will help me. If I try to be a kind of person for whom my enemy has never been born, that I never see anyone as my enemy, that I wish well for my so-called enemies, that I realize that nobody can obstruct the delivery of my karma, and that nobody can obstruct my service that everything that happens to me is the will of God, everything that happens to me is good. And I should wish for others what I want for myself. If I practice that, even if I fail, even if I fall short over and over again, the fact that I'm practicing it will attract the attention of the Lord, just like a little child who practices to walk. Prabhupada gives this analogy that bhakti is like the child trying to walk, the child trying to walk. Who here has ever seen a child learning how to walk? In? Have you seen a child? Did they spend more time standing up or falling down in the beginning? Much more time falling down. They stand up just for a few seconds at first. But what does that attract from the parents? When the parents see that the child is making an effort to walk, what do the parents do? They encourage them. They, encourage them. they help them. They put out their hands. And haven't you seen parents do this? Or maybe if your parents have done this. They help. They encourage and They help. So let us be, what is does Mahabharata described here? Peaceful, sober, and unagitated. That's not easy. Especially when somebody interferes with something that we feel is absolutely we have to have or the whole world's going to collapse in two seconds. It's not easy. We shouldn't think that prema is going to be cheap. This is the price. Krishna says, "If we want to become dear to Him, if we want to become dear to Krishna, we see no one as our enemy. Like Krishna sees no one as His enemy." So, questions, comments, additions, subtractions, chastisements, corrections—always. I should ask first. Does anyone else have any other have any questions? Yes. I have questions.
1: So, Thank you. Hare Krishna,
0: very nice lecture. Let him turn on the mic first because I hope it's broadcasting today. It's
1: broadcasting perfectly perfectly today,
0: okay. Hare Krishna. Yes. Okay. Try again, third time. (laughs) Okay, Hare Krishna. Uh, That was a really nice lecture, thank you very much. And we're still not going. Okay, finally. Thank you. Thank you for your persistence. Hurry Krishna. There. Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, so, you are saying that nothing can stop us from our devotional service. There Correct. are obstacles that occur in our way. These are just karmic and uh, Or they may be a test from Krishna.
1: Or, or I guess, a test from Krishna. Okay. Um, so. Um, so, so one of the difficulty I see is that actually Prabhupada told us that he wanted us to cooperate and work together under the you know, the, GBC, the designated leadership. Um, and at the same time, it seems like sometimes the JVC is an obstacle in our devotional service, and so we're put into this uh, interesting situation where we have to choose between following words of our spiritual master and just going all in in our devotional service. So how do we reconcile that apparent you know you know difficulty? If we have to choose between having issues, between following the
0: spiritual master, just going all in their devotional service. Mm. Let's not talk specifically about the GBC, let's talk about anybody who has authority over us. First of all, what do you do if the person who has some authority over you and some power in your life gives you an order or puts you in a situation that Uh, is contrary to following the orders of your spiritual master and following the orders of Krishna. So, of course, there's many people who've been in such situations. Uh, Bali Maharaj was in that situation where his spiritual master said, you know, his spiritual master was doing yajnas for Vishnu in order for Bali to get the heavenly planets, but when Vishnu personally showed up and asked for something, uh, Sukaracharya said, don't give it. And Bali said, Sorry. So if it's really a matter of that which by the way it very rarely is but if it really is a matter of that that your authority says you know you have to eat meat your authority says you have to drink wine you have to become a prostitute you can't you're not allowed to chant Hare Krishna if if you chant Hare Krishna I'm going to beat you up then you have to follow Krishna and sometimes that happens It's rare, but it does happen. There were devotees early in the movement who were kidnapped by deprogrammers and and literally forced to eat meat and forced to drink wine and so forth. There were devotees put in prison for distributing books who were beaten any time they started to chant. In the former Soviet Union, there were devotees put into prison where they were given psychotropic drugs and horrible, you know, renounced Krishna consciousness. So it may be like that, you know, your, your government may be telling you not to chant Hare Krishna, your parents, your father, your Anika Shukru, if you're a devotee, I'm going to kill you, for a lot of muscle, okay, kill me. I'm going to be a devotee. So first of all, it's, it's unusual for most of us that we have some authority who is telling us that we must disobey the orders of Krishna. That's unusual. I'd say most people i met have, have not been in that situation, but I've met some. I've met some I've been in situations like that. I know one woman whose husband, you know, will not allow her to chant. So she makes some excuse that she's going someplace else and doing something something else, and she goes and chants. He says you're not allowed to visit the temple, and she says she's doing something else, and she goes to the temple. So that may be okay. Then you have a situation where somebody uh, may be telling you to do something that is different from what you want to do in service. You know, you may want to clean the floor and they're telling you to clean the light bulbs. So one has to be careful. Is that really impediment in my service? Or can I see Krishna working through them? And that's an individual thing. How are you going to work that out? Are you just going to follow your authority? Are you going to discuss with your authority? We're allowed to discuss with our authorities. We don't just have to be autom- automatons that say, yes, sir. You know, and, and if it's really a serious matter and, and you're actually being exploited, then you have to, have, you have to save yourself. Probably the highest principles to save others, but higher than that is to save yourself. So if you're in a situation where your so-called spiritual authorities they may not be telling you to eat meat and drink wine, but they may be grossly exploiting you, then you have to save yourself first. But generally, if you follow, Krishna will take care. Krishna will adjust because those authorities are his representative, and he'll take care. Then it seems to me you're also talking about a situation where you have conflicting orders from the spiritual master. So you have an order from Śrīla Prabhupāda to work with the GBC and cooperate with the ISKCON movement, and then you have orders from Śrīla Prabhupāda to do something else, and there may be a conflict. So, I mean, Ayendra tells a story about himself, where he had always been going on Harinam Sankirtan, and then his temple authorities told him that he should go out and sell paraphernalia instead of doing Harinam and book distribution. And he just refused. He said, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna stop distributing books and stop chanting Hare Krishna to sell flowers. I'm a brahmacharya and I don't need to sell flowers and I'm not gonna do it. So sometimes one might have to do that. Just make sure that there's really higher principle involved and it's not your false ego. You know, there, there's value in surrendering to your local authority even when they're when they're wrong. Even if your authority is making a mistake disobedience is much more sinful than making a mistake. If we could disobey any time we disagreed with our authorities, there's no meaning to the word authority. If I only follow my authority when I would do that anyway, then I don't have any authorities, then I'm my own authority, and I have an authority just out of convenience. Having an authority means that I follow my authority even when I think they're wrong. Not morally wrong, not ethically wrong. I have a, I have a duty to rebel in a moral and ethical and spiritual wrong. But I don't have a duty to rebel just because someone's making a mistake. Krishna will take care of that. Otherwise, all society collapses. Then children don't obey their... And not just about the GBC, then children won't obey their parents, students won't obey their teachers, wives won't obey their husbands. Sorry about that one. And and people won't obey their governments and, and everything collapses. As soon as you say, well, if I have a different opinion... And how do we know we're right, Maybe I'm the one making a mistake, right? So I have a difference of opinion with my authority and I'm so convinced that they're making a mistake. Maybe I'm making a mistake, how do I know? If you think there's some serious legal, ethical, moral, spiritual harm, then you have a duty to do something. So what do you do? First you go to your immediate authority and you say, "Uh, my dear immediate authority, I disagree on moral, ethical, legal principles. And if that doesn't get any, go anywhere, you go to your next authority. Like we have our temple commanders, our temple presidents, then we have our local GBC, then we have the GBC body. You can go to the GBC body. I mean, if you really think it's that serious. And if the GBC body doesn't do it, then you can write a letter to Shiva Prabhupada. If that doesn't do any good, we talked about this the other day, you can go to the deities. <speaking language> And you go to Krishna and say, Krishna, there's a dharma here. Please fix it. And he will. I mean, he might not fix it in the way you like and when you like and how you like. That's not our business. He may fix it by putting you into a Kamsa's prison and having all your children killed by Kamsa. And then he goes away to Vrindavan and comes back 11 years later and fixes it that way. Which wasn't quite what you had in mind when you asked him to fix it. You know, but he'll fix it. Generally, we should tolerate and cooperate, generally. You can also speak the truth as long as you do it respectfully and in, in the right place and circumstance. So I sometimes carefully speak out about things I see in Islam that are contrary to Prabhupada's orders. Depends where I am, who I am with. And I, one has to be willing to be open to being wrong. Sometimes we're sure this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and it turns out that we're wrong, that we're not seeing it properly. So I'm sorry for a complicated answer, but I think ultimately that was a very complicated question.
1: And I find it to be very satisfying. Is that all right? Yes. Okay, I don't know if
0: I've covered all the bases, but I, I tried to. I tried to.
1: I have a question, but I also have a funny story about deprogramming.
0: Oh, okay. You want to say a funny story? I think you might like this. Okay.
1: I had a guy over his name is Don Maragos, and uh, he got deprogrammed. So the deprogrammers captured him, carried some big thugs, and they knocked him down, grabbed him, and forced him into a car, and they drove him out to a hotel, an abandoned motel, <coughs> excuse me, an abandoned motel somewhere in the desert of New Mexico. So for days, they were trying to drill into him that Krishna consciousness was wrong. They were telling him, you know, that Prabhupada is, is controlling you. You know, you, you, you can't even go to the bathroom without somebody telling you how to go to the bathroom. You know, you've you become a brainless robot. And <clears throat> so they were telling him, why don't you accept Jesus Christ? You were raised, you know, in, in, in America. And everyone knows you should accept Jesus Christ. So they kept going. I, I, I mean, I could give you more graphic examples, but it's, it was pretty bad. So what ended up happening, after a couple of days of that, suddenly his mother showed up. So she was crying. She said, I'm sorry, Daddy. You know, I didn't want to do this to you. But I just couldn't see you going into this cult like that. And then he turned to her and said, Mom, do you know what they're telling me? And then she said, What's happening? And then he said, They're telling you to accept Jesus Christ. And suddenly the mother became so angry and she said, You idiots, we're Jews. <laughs> <laughs> she said, Get in the car. He said, I'm not paying you idiots.
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Thank you. He was there
0: a couple of days <laughs> Thank that. you for sharing that story. <laughs> That's very good. Um,
1: my question has to do with, um, you know, the idea of letting Krishna be in control and letting,
0: letting him, him be in control.
1: Yes, let, I mean he is allowing control. him like, to be in control. Know, I mean, psychologically, you know, recognizing that Krishna.
0: Okay, is Kalachanji. So today, I'm gonna, we're going to try something new today. I'm going to allow you to be in control. Is that what you mean?
1: Uh, yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> I think he's smiling a little broader than he usually yes, smiles yeah, at that uh, one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I found that one rather humorous. That was like when, when uh, was it Pondraka's messenger came to Dwarka and, and said in front of everybody, you know, my master is the real Vasudev and Krishna should surrender his name and his weapons, one other thing.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I oh, should just surrender to me. So he should take my shelter. He should take my shelter, give up his weapons, and give up his name. And everybody's started laughing and laughing and laughing. Well, thank you
1: for pointing out that.
0: Yes. Sorry about that. Here's so really
1: question. So we have this idea in our conditioned state that, you know, I have to take charge of this, or somebody's doing something wrong, and I should correct it. And then we have the beautiful exposition that you have doing of, you know, Recognizing Krishna as the controller and um, remaining peaceful and just controlling your mind. and <laughs> understanding that Krishna ultimately is going to take care of Okay, so um, now my question, it has to do with I guess being naive. In the sense that um, you know, if somebody's doing something wrong And we have the 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 understanding and ability to help them overcome that problem or to deal with the problem, and we just naively say, "Oh, go ahead and do the problem. Do go ahead and do it. You're going to, you know, the Christian is in control." So where do you draw the line? In other words, this is um, the, the
0: class the other day. What's your service? Very simple. What's your service? Is it your service to correct that person? Is that person your disciple, your child, your student, or your subordinate in some way? Is that the duty given to you by God? Did Krishna say, hey, I'd like you to help me with this, please, and be my agent? What did Krishna say to Arjuna? They're already killed by my arrangement and you can be but an instrument in the fight. Did Krishna ask you to be an instrument in the fight or not? If he did, then that's what you're supposed to do. Then standing by and not doing anything is a dereliction of duty. If he didn't, getting involved is a dereliction of duty, unless it's an emergency. Emergency, there's a kid about to run in front of the car, you don't see the parents around, you don't wait for some kind of permission, you just pull the kid out of the street. So if there's really an emergency, you don't worry about, is this my job, is this not my job? If the building's on fire, you just don't worry about it. You know, But there's not usually emergencies. Okay, in the absence of an emergency, the question is, what's my service? It doesn't matter what, we talked about this with Mocha It doesn't matter what abilities you have. It matters whether you're deputed. It matters whether or not you're empowered. I might have the ability to raise somebody else's child. I may have the technical ability. But that doesn't mean I can just go and raise somebody else's child. If I see somebody raising their child in a way that I don't approve of, And I could do a better job. Let's say, technically, I could do a better job. Let's just say. Does that mean I can go in their house and take their child and do a better job? Or even that I can just walk up to them and tell them what to do? Excuse me? I'm going to tell you how No. I have to be deputed. And frankly, if you're not deputed, the other person won't even be receptive, frankly. And then you're committing the offense of preaching the glories of the Holy Name to the faithless kind of thing. So part of being deputed is that the other person is receptive. The other person recognizes that you are their authority, not just that you recognize that you are their authority. They have to also recognize that you're their authority. Otherwise, they won't be receptive and it's useless. Truthful, pleasing, beneficial, not agitating to others based on the Vedas, those are the austerities of speech. So you can be truthful and it can be based on the Vedas and it can be words that are not agitating to others but it's got to be beneficial beneficial means the person has to be receptive otherwise you can cause more harm than good have you ever tried to give advice to somebody who didn't want to hear you and you actually made the situation worse because you disturbed their mind why do we get involved when it's not our service what pushes us to get involved when it's not our service false ego, false ego and pride I know better than God Ultimately, I know better than God. God told me to do A. But I'd be so good at doing B. And I'm just going to go do B. I'm just going to go do it. The person who's supposed to be doing B isn't doing it, so I'm just going to go do it. They're messing up. Krishna's not taking care of them. Well, I'm just going to go do it. An emergency, you could do that. Yeah. Emergency, it's all right. Is that? It's very simple.
1: Thank you. That's really fair. You know, from what you just explained, my question is, how far should we endeavor to take positions of authority to help spread Krishna consciousness? In other words, I've seen that... Oh, we
0: should endeavor intensely to take positions of responsibility, but it has to be given to us also.
1: I mean, just like the
0: example of taking a PhD. We should, Of course we should do that. Prabhupada wants all of us to take positions of responsibility. It's not that he wants us to take positions of authority. Authority is given when we take positions of responsibility. Of course we should be eager to take positions of responsibility, but it has to be given by Krishna. None of us should be running away from responsibility in Krishna's service in the name of humility or whatever. We should be willing to sacrifice for the benefit of the world and take as much responsibility as, as, as Krishna is willing to give us but we should never be interested in just grabbing authority. Authority is given to one who takes responsibility. And and Krishna's situation is perfect. Krishna exactly gives authority and responsibility. In the world, it's not always like that. Someone asked me yesterday to do something, and I said, you're asking me to take responsibility without any authority. No, thank you. I said, everybody would blame me for what went wrong, and I wouldn't have any ability to fix anything. Somebody who said, we want to put your name down as, you know, being on the board of advisors, but you will not actually be able to do anything. No thanks. Well, should, we should all be willing to take responsibility, absolutely. Whether or not we have a title of authority is another thing. Like this, this one a GBC person who's asked me several times to take a certain title, and I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm never going to take that title. I said, everybody will just shoot me if I have a title. Somebody with a title! <laughs> I, said, I said, I'll do the work, but I, I'm not, not going to take the title. But of course we should be. Why should we just want to take care of ourselves? Who, as Krishna says, is the most dear to him? One who's always preaching his glories to, to, to the devotees. One who's taking the responsibility to be a preacher. So of course we should for some of us, that may be just responsible to be on time for a prajari service. For some of us, it may mean responsibility for a whole preaching project. I mean, for some of us, maybe responsibility for cows. In modern age, nobody wants to be responsible for anything. Nobody wants to be responsible for you know marrying somebody. Nobody wants to be responsible for an honest livelihood. Nobody wants to be responsible for taking care of children. Nobody wants to be responsible for taking care of the environment. Nobody wants to be responsible for taking care of animals. Nobody wants to be responsible anymore. It's a real problem. Everybody wants the benefits, but nobody wants the responsibility. So. We should be eager to take responsibility. Is that all right? Anybody else? And then one. Yes, please. I have
1: a uh, Sometimes,
0: I can't uh, even tell how to turn this on.
1: One point that the devotee are more merciful than Krishna.
0: Ah. Kind of yes, the devotee is more merciful than Krishna.
1: So nothing is better than Krishna. Krishna, you were pointing out that uh, uh, no, I can fix it. I can more than I am better than Krishna. Mm-hmm. So, at that, that point, uh, how does it we accept that or we deal with that that uh, is it Krishna I mean, it's our sentiment or real emotion that uh, we feel more sorrow than oh, Krishna is not taking care of our lives. So, so can I you...
0: I think I'm understanding what you're saying I think what you're saying is so we're saying the devotee has to have the faith that Krishna knows better than me and at the same time, the devotee is more merciful than Krishna. Yeah,
1: there are some statements that more deeply devo- yes. more merciful. Yes. So,
0: how Krishna. is the devotee more merciful than Krishna without having the mentality that I know better than Krishna? Is yes. that your question? Yeah. Okay. okay. Krishna is neutral. Krishna just reciprocates. If Krishna wasn't neutral and just reciprocating. It would be havoc. You can't have a universe where there's favoritism, or we call it nepotism. Nepotism, you put people in charge, who aren't qualified just because they're your family members or just because you like them. Everybody knows that's unfair. One of the five universal moral principles is fairness. We all have an innate sense of fairness. You know, even animals have a sense of fairness. Did you know that? There's this experiments with, with monkeys, not like primates, but monkeys, where they, uh, they had two monkeys perform the same trick and one monkey got, I forget what it was, I think it was one monkey got a cucumber and the other monkey got a grape. So the monkey who got a cucumber, I may be getting the things wrong, but the one who got a cucumber got very disturbed. Why is that monkey getting a grape and I'm only getting a cucumber when we did the same thing? You know, equal, equal pay for equal work kind of thing. So we have an innate sense that things should be fair. You know, the Greeks and Romans had this idea of the demigods as being whimsical and unfair, that you could propitiate the demigods and then they'd be on your side even if you were evil. So Krishna's not like that. Krishna's fair. Krishna's dependable. Rupa Goswami says, Krishna's dependable. The demons know if they follow the rules that Krishna won't kill them. If a demon follows the rules, they'll get the reward. There's even a heavenly planet for demons. Heavenly planets for demons. Good demons, if you're a good moral demon. You don't have to love Krishna. You don't even have to be a theist. You can be an atheist demon who hates Krishna. But if you're a good moral person, there's a heaven for you. And you don't even have to hang out with other devotees. It's, it's a heaven without all demons. You don't have to have any of those religious people in your heaven. That's how, that's how fair Krishna is. That's how fair Krishna is. But there's a problem with being that fair. There's a problem. Because bhakti is not under the laws of karma. Bhakti is not under the laws of fairness. According to karma, according to what's fair, nobody would ever come to bhakti. How could we you never, never get out of this it's a banyan tree it's an upside down banyan tree it's always putting down more roots so you pay off some of your karmic debts and in the process you accrue more good and bad you enjoy your good karma you suffer for your bad karma while you're doing that you do other good deeds or other bad deeds and it just it never ends how just in fairness are you going to get out Never going to get out. But ultimately, Krishna wants us all to get out. Well, how is he going to do that? How is he going to be neutral and totally fair and at the same time merciful? A mercy that's not whimsy. How is he going to give mercy that's not whimsical and partial? So, therefore, his devotees do that, so Krishna can, is, cannot be accused. Krishna gets accused, the Bhagavatam, several times. There's huge sections of the Bhagavatam. Is Krishna impartial? Dealing with that question, is God impartial? Is God fair? Well, the devotees, they know Krishna wants to be fair, but he also wants to be merciful. Let me go and give mercy. Let me go and give the mercy. What does the Prabhupada say? That the devotees are more merciful than the Lord because they know the plan of the Lord. So they can do that. No one's going to criticize the devotees. Oh, you're supposed to be neutral. No one's gonna say that to the devotees. What's wrong with you? You're violating the law of karma by distributing neutrality, by distributing bhakti. So therefore the devotees distribute bhakti to the fit and to the unfit. Without discrimination, devotees don't say you have to be pious, you have to be this, you have to be that. They just take the seeds and throw them. And then Krishna's mercy, Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says, and by Madhurya Kanamad, follows the mercy of the devotee. So when the devotee is given mercy and somebody receives that mercy, still the person has to receive it. Then that creates a channel through which Krishna's mercy can flow. So in that way the devotees are more merciful than the Lord and without receiving the mercy of the devotee, yes, prasadabha prasadabhi, yasiya yes, one will not receive and receive It's there. But how are you going to make the channel for it? How are you going to make the connection to it? And Make the connection to the devotee? And you can say that that's also neutral because Krishna arranges for his devotees to be everywhere giving mercy. And then you're free of the laws of karma. Have to, there has to be cut otherwise it's never ending so it has to be cut Is that alright? It's not that the devotees are thinking we know better than Krishna they're thinking we have a service to do isn't that nice? I mean we all want to feel needed, right? Who wants to do something thinking well Krishna could do this anyway what do I have to be here for? So it's really a transcendental trick so Feel that we're needed. Krishna needs me. Hey, it's just mess up. Krishna needs me. I actually have some way that I can please him. Isn't that nice? Thank you very much. All gray brother
1: Prabhupada.